following reading is Psalm 8, read from the New International Version of the Bible. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The lesson is taken from Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. You may have watched the recent SpaceX rocket launch and see how quickly the astronauts look back onto Earth after their successful launch. I don't know about you, but seen from this perspective, it makes me feel pretty insignificant, as all our planet is viewed from afar. Does my, dare I say, our existence matter? After all, none of us are known for building spacecraft, or even electric cars. Yet in today's psalm, we heard that the very God who established the moon and stars is mindful of each and every one of us. Jesus gave us an insight into God's mindfulness of those who feel low, unworthy of attention, lost to God, or unable to value themselves. In fact, he sought them out and noticed them on numerous occasions, positively mixing with the hated tax collectors, siding with the poor, those shunned because they were considered unclean, and numerous other outcasts. This mindfulness came to light as he noticed a despairing woman graze the hem of his garment. Even as he was dying and in agony on the cross, he was mindful of the penitent thief beside him. Of course, there are plenty of times when we find it hard to acknowledge, accept, or even believe that we're constantly held in God's love. But as Paul wrote to the church in Rome, nothing can separate us from the love of God, as is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Undoubtedly a challenging aspect of our relationship with God is whether we're mindful of him and his love for us. If we're able to keep this in mind, then it's easier to recognize ourselves as people with purpose and value. Ultimately, people with a future, regardless of wherever we find ourselves in the challenging aspects of our lives. It then becomes possible to pray, not only with thoughts and words, but through listening, observing and patient contemplation. Words from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi say, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's clear that the mind spoken of by Paul is that which isn't self-centred, but which cares for others, keeps the well-being of others in mind, even when we cannot be with them in times such as these. And it's encouraging to see this manifest itself in so many forms as people try to support each other. It's a consoling thought that there must be much in people's behaviour to each other in this crisis, which is pleasing. To God. Matthew's Jesus tells the eleven to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Even though this is the end of Matthew's Gospel, it is also a new beginning where those taught by Jesus are to become teachers themselves, however inadequate they may feel for their task. Is this calling about being a franchise, dominating an area, or pushing our faith upon others? I don't think so. In my view, it's got much more to do with what we are really rooted in deep down, how we live our lives every day, and how we relate to each other. We need to keep in mind the words of the psalmist as he speaks of human beings. Yet. You have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. It follows that we go directly against God every time we fail to recognise how much he loves and values the entirety of humanity, regardless of race or any other factor that we allow to divide us. Discipleship will involve working alongside each other and serving each other in ways that make it possible for God's love to be seen and recognised. We need to keep coming back to Jesus to learn from his teachings, to ponder his parables. I was watching a TV programme this week in which the comedian Jack Dee discussed his attraction to Christianity and the fact that he had a selection interview to become a priest as a young man. The panel soon worked out that he would have a better future in comedy and now, much later in life, he agreed that he wouldn't have been suitable for this role. As much as he retains a positive curiosity about Christianity, for him he said, it's always been the Christians 
that have put him off taking this any further. I guess he's not convinced by those he's met. They don't show him anything real about God, and as such, he's left hanging in a strange space, labelling himself an agnostic Christian. While he was fairly light-hearted about it all, it does make you realise that even when we accept the calling to become disciples, we won't always get it right. If we recall the eleven as they heard what has become labelled as the Great Commission, we realise that we're in good company among ordinary people with weaknesses and failings just like us. Even as they saw Jesus in today's Gospel reading, we hear that some doubted. Today is labelled Trinity Sunday in the church calendar, and I'll excuse myself any attempt at an explanation of the Trinity, a word that you won't find anywhere in the Bible, by quoting John Wesley. Bring me a worm that can comprehend a man, and then I will show you a man that can comprehend the triune God. However, like many things, the Trinity is no less real because of our inability to completely understand it. Countless attempts to explain it will highlight certain aspects which interrelate, overlap, connect and fuse. Yet, as much as we cannot know God wholly in our earthly lives, this too remains part of the mystery. Our faith and trust in God is such that we know there is nothing untoward in that which we don't know or comprehend. So, in baptism, we're enfolded in God's love, both in what we know of it and what we do not yet know. How could it be otherwise? Would Jesus have told his disciples to baptise others if it wouldn't bring them closer to him? The symbolism of cleansing water reminds us that forgiveness and a new start are available to all, that a new life is possible, and that once we begin our journey, that Jesus will be with us always to the end of the age. As we journey on through the weeks ahead, let's continue to keep each other and those needing support in mind, turning to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for guidance. Amen. Holy God, faithful and unchanging, enlarge our minds with the knowledge of your truth and draw us more deeply into the mystery of your love, that we may truly worship you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.